The first reading is taken from Psalm 25, verses 1 to 10, and you can find it on page 556 of the Red Bibles. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel is taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. And uh, the response after the Gospel is that I will say, for the Gospel of the Lord... And you will say, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn, torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. For the gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. privilege to be here this weekend, yesterday for your weekly prayer for renewal and afterwards to hear all the encouraging signs of uh, signs of times of refreshment and encouragement. And today for this service, uh, we're, uh, we're receiving, uh, or I'm receiving <laughs> on behalf of the church, Lisa, Nick and Nikki into membership of the Anglican Church of Australia. They're publicly declaring as people who have already been baptised and confirmed 
their intention to continue their journey as followers of Jesus in the context of this church and receiving the laying on of hands by the bishop. That's particular for the ones from the Methodist Uniting Salvation Army background. <laughs> Been there, done that. Our gospel today reminds us that the whole Christian gospel can be summed up in this point. That when the living God looks at us, at every baptised and believing Christian, God says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. You are my beloved son, daughter. With you, I am well pleased. He sees us not as we are in ourselves, but who we are as we are in Christ Jesus. It sometimes seems impossible, especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents. But it's true. God looks at us and says, Geneve, you are my dear, dear child. I'm delighted with you. You're my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. All of us, try saying that sentence to yourself slowly with your own name at the start. And reflect quietly on God saying that to you both at your baptism and every day since and every day to come. It's the heart of the Christian gospel. And it's true for one simple but very profound reason. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and the Messiah represents his people. What is true of him is true of us. And I say him because Jesus was a him. The key baptismal promises declared before God's people is, I turn to Christ, the Messiah. So what is true of him is true of you. The word Messiah or Christ in the Greek means the anointed one. And our gospel story is telling us how Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, marked out as God's own son. At that time, when John the Baptist, the herald, was preparing the way for Jesus with the message, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. What John is doing is new, and Jesus is going along with it. He leaves his familiar Nazareth and goes to the Jordan. So like the men and women of Judea and Jerusalem, he too is actually in search of a new beginning. And John's right. What you were must be done away with. Now for Jesus, that's not going to be a whole list of sins, but it is time for him to be leaving behind 
who he was, the carpenter's son, and moving into his ministry. Only total repentance and dedication to God can bring salvation. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. The Messiah is called God's son. In Israel, the king was called son of God, for he was the one who above all was called to represent the eternal one on earth and to be a model for his people in his kingly life. Moreover, when he was anointed king, the words of an old royal psalm always rang out, you are my son, today I have forgotten you. Yes, Jesus was God's son in a deeper sense. But it's because Jesus was and is Messiah that God is saying to us, his first disciples and his disciples today, what is said to Jesus at his baptism. And it's actually why together with the psalmist, as we heard today, we can pray with confidence, according to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. So Mark is actually telling the story in quite solemn language, echoing the Old Testament, as I said. So, But there's more of that. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. This was an experience of God, a voice, a vision, just like Israel's prophets before him. Jesus sees something and he hears something, a voice from heaven, you are my son. Whom I love, Isaiah is coming through, Isaiah 42, with you I am well pleased. It's a voice, it's a vision. Jesus sees something, hears something and so it's beginning. And what happens is he sees the heaven open. We're not talking about a little door ajar here. Heaven in the Bible often means God's dimension beyond ordinary reality. It's more as though an invisible curtain right in front of us was suddenly pulled back so that instead of the trees and flowers and buildings, or in Jesus' case, the river, the sandy desert and the crowds, we're standing in the presence of a different reality altogether. He hears the words... And just as in the beginning, a bird hovers over the water, a dove, a sign of new life. Think of the story of Noah, which is actually the theme of other readings set uh, often for Lent 1, of peace and reconciliation. A good deal of Christian faith is a matter of learning to live by this different reality. Really, that's what the psalmist in Psalm 25 is praying for. It's learning to live by this different reality even when we can't see it. The prophet Isaiah's prayer might be our prayer in Isaiah 64. Oh God, tear open the heavens. Let's get a glimpse of you. And sometimes at decisive and climactic moments, the curtain is drawn back and we see or hear what's really going on. But most of the time, we walk by faith, not by sight. Yet always, we are strengthened in that walk by the Holy Spirit. 
And that's one of the specific prayers for today. Filled with the scriptures, filled with God, Jesus hears the call of God. And from now on, he will be the one who has been called a child in whom God is well pleased. He's found God, he's found his work, and he's experienced it all as a gift. It's an experience of unspeakable joy, a vision that will accompany him all his short life. Nothing and no one will be able to separate him from the love of God. And the message of Mark's gospel really is look at this story, look at this life and learn to see and hear in it the heavenly vision, the heavenly voice. Learn to hear these words addressed to yourself. Let them change you, mould you, make you somebody new, the person God wants you to be. Discover in this story the curtain drawn back the normally hidden heavenly dimension of God's world. Own these words for yourself and you will be equipped, as Jesus was, to be sent out into the desert, the wilderness. Jesus is acting out the great drama of Israel's exodus through the waters of the Red Sea from Egypt and Israel's 40-year journey through the wilderness into the Promised Land. It's very abrupt, the way Mark tells it, Jesus suddenly alone, John's gone, people have gone, the voice is silent, the birds flown. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. Why is it the Spirit who sends him? Is it because a calling always has to be put through the mill? Question. But it's the Spirit who sends him. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Just as Moses was alone for 40 days on God's holy mountain, Elijah spent 40 days and nights searching for God. Is Jesus following their footsteps, going through what they went through? And how does he make out? Having just seen the heavens open, now he's tempted by Satan. Will he be able to withstand that? And in a flat... Will, will he be robbed of God's will? Mark senses, I think, that Jesus would never have been able to heal people, their spirit, their torn spirits, their anxieties, had he not first tamed these evil spirits in his own soul. He was with the wild animals. A sign that Jesus was in grave danger was Jesus standing like Adam in the Garden of Eden with the lion at his feet like a lamb, a scene out of paradise? Jesus, a second Adam in the new Garden of Eden, a sign of new creation. This royal son has clearly defeated the powers of evil in the wilderness and the angels attended him. one of the uh, rabbi's old fantasies of paradise. He's a man after God's own heart, son of God. So Jesus has curbed his wild beasts, a 
aggression, assertiveness, sexual drive, possessiveness are all gifts from God and therefore not intrinsically evil. They simply have to be reined in. The temptation is to construct your own identity, to be someone. Uh, if you read Matthew 4, you hear that explained for, uh, um, outlined further, you know, the temptation to be relevant, the temptation to power, the, to the spectacular, to be someone versus beloved. Identity is at the heart of it. Who is Jesus? The beloved son of God with whom God the Father is well placed. What is your identity? You are the beloved child of God. God delights in you. So the angels were not to keep Jesus from being tested by Satan, just as finally they wouldn't keep him from Calvary himself. They were there to assure him that his beloved father was watching over him, was there with him, was loving him, acting through him, pouring out his spirit all the time in and through him. Jesus went the way that all his people must go, including Lisa and Nick and Nikki, and he could do it because he'd heard the words of love, the words of life. Let me say to you, Lisa, Nikki and Nick, and to all of us on this journey of Lent, the season of the church year in which we prepare to enter into the death and resurrection of Jesus, let me say, remember the voice that spoke those powerful words of love. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. And that is how we are all able to stay faithful to our baptismal promises. And like Jesus, have a clear sense of purpose which you can articulate. After Jesus was put in prison, he went, sorry, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. Mark is not giving us a lot of details, he's going too fast, but it does sound on, ominous. Is he preparing us for the fact that Jesus soon too will be arrested? Did Jesus already have an anxious feeling that that fate awaited him? Is that why he went off to Galilee? Well, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the good news of God. It's not about some sort of like sentimental power, piety, he wants us to entrust ourselves to God because God's time has now arrived. God is about to reveal God's almighty power in the world. Everyone is to repent, that is, return to the Lord their God and believe the good news. Gentile rulers use the word gospel to proclaim important and good news. Jesus is an emperor-like figure. And more than that, Jesus picking up on its use in the Old Testament, again we're in Isaiah. How beautiful are upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Jesus believed that. 
and Mark believed it along with him that the time has come. The message here is it's high time for people to give their heart to God, to repent and believe the good news. Let's never lose sight of the fact that Jesus' public ministry was founded in whom he was, though, his identity, the beloved son of God in whom God delighted. And today's service reminds us we all play our part in proclaiming that good news. We play our part, we're able to do it because we have first heard the words of love, the words of life in the power of the Holy Spirit. God has poured out his spirit on us and we continue to pray for the strengthening of the Holy Spirit, empowered and sustained wherever following Jesus leads. And at the moment, it's led you here.